you know, the American, you know, being American is about an ideal. And, and that's where I've met some people who've come across, you know, a multitude of borders that are more American than the Americans that have lived here. Right. You know, because they have that, they have that. Uh, and that's the problem. I was like, sometimes I'm like, man, are you delusional? Because even I'm sitting here going, does that American dream still exist? Right. But in their eyes, it does because they're here. They finally get to do the thing that they, you yeah. know, left, left their home country that they couldn't do or were persecuted for doing. Yeah. When you swim across an ocean, any beach looks like fucking heaven. You know? <laughs> it is time now for something positive. We might be headed to the promised land the of promised speaking land, the truth the and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. Problem can only be solved when there is a kind of coalition of conscience. Of conscience. Because conscience. that is how it works. This is the beginning. It is not the finale, and that's why we're here, and that's why we rally, 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 rally. We've got to be that creative minority. Creative minority. Creative minority. A way to get in the way. I got in trouble. It was good trouble. It was necessary trouble. Frankly, I know we've got to do something. And we're back, and I love it. My name is Jason, his name is Jeffrey, and their names are unknown, but there's 16,000 of them around our country right now. They're not called kids in cages anymore. They're called kids in detention centers, but they are, they're, they're experiencing so much mental trauma that I really wanted to talk about it. There was a great article that I shared with Jeffrey because I wanted to talk about it, but it wasn't real fact heavy. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was factual, but there wasn't a lot of statistics for me to grab onto. And that's what I like to do is grab the numbers. There's a lot of kids experiencing a lot of traumas, Jeffrey, and you and mm -hmm. I, we bring it up, but we never directly talk about it. You know, mm -hmm. why is it that people forgot that these kids exist? Uh, because it magically became all better now that Papa Joe is uh, president of the United States. Okay. But not one man can fix it. We talked about that in our last episode. So what are we going to do? <laughs> um, well, if you're the federal Ooh, government man. next to nothing, like usual, I mean, what, what incentive do they have now that, you know, the, the screaming and the pressure isn't on them the same way that it was the outrage lasted long enough to get Trump, you know, ousted, but it right. didn't last long enough to actually fix the issue. Right. These are tent. These these are kids in tent camps. Um, they're cutting themselves. They're they're trying to run away. They're monitored twenty four seven. They have they have no privacy. They they're trapped. They can't leave. Um, they're they're suffering, man. PTSD. And I just there's got to be a better way. How did we do this like before Trump? What happened to these unaccompanied minors? That we didn't collect them so that there was 14,000 of them, right? And, no, we did. We did collect them. That's and a lot, the of these, this program a lot of these was... kids have families that they want to go to. And <clears throat> the problem, again, is the lack of them having access to the process. And so that's something we need to work on. But what did we do beforehand? Sorry, not to cut you off. Unfortunately, this, this program was actually um, started under the Obama administration. Um and but so nice and polite right so so unfortunately it is it is not uh it wasn't new under trump it just experienced a new level of cruelty under trump sure, sure, um, sure. 
but but we took the quote unquote Trump cruelty out of it and we've kept it this, pretty much the same. Okay. And then quieted down about it because nobody really cares about migrants. No, no. We were more pissed about Trump than we were actually about the actual issue at hand. Is that what it was? It was just the guy and not the actual issue. Yeah. And and basically, you know, what, what happened was is that, you know, the you know, we, we knew that this was happening, but what happened was is that, you know, you had this directive come out that said, you know, you you had to separate them. Um and they did it with such a line of cruelty that it made it when it finally made it to the news, people were outraged. Well, people on the left were outraged. Um, but <clears throat> we end we you know under Trump the process ended, but we were still pissed about it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, like that that process stopped. I wanted to want to say in like 2018, 2019, 2019, I think is when it finally stopped. And then it still existed. Like the, the level of cruelty, quote unquote, you know, didn't change. And then when we finally got a new president elected, we continued to not change anything. Right. So the issue never changed. It's our, uh, the anger and outrage at the person went away because the person went away. If you think for one second that, you know, if, if Trump were to get reelected again, that, you know, this wouldn't magically come back up again, I would, you know, laugh you out of the building because let's be real honest, this is still happening. And the Republicans would have every right to be like, look, he didn't change anything. He really didn't. But I like, I don't know. I don't know when it happened, but it went from families coming, unaccompanied minors coming and them having two separate directions into the u.s like a family could come in to declare amnesty go through a system come out and wait for their trial with family that's what my family did and then unaccompanied minors they went into a separate processing because they were minors but then trump decided to take the minors from the adults and the families and process them different differently send the families back but keep the kids which i thought was a weird weird thing to do and then biden still has all of those kids that we kept and now there's more unaccompanied kids coming. And now we're sending the families united back into Mexico to wait. And that's devastating these families just as much as the kids that are being incarcerated. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's a, t- it's a tough thing. They, these, some of these kids, they, they're leaving horrible situations and traveling through horrible situations just to end up in a horrible situation, you know? To mm-hmm. me, to me, I don't know how other people see it. Like, I don't know if you see a 16 year old girl that just came from Guatemala because her fucking family was killed by militants is like scary, you know? Well, I, I mean, this is, this is where this is, this is another one of those, this isn't easy. And you have this very circular discussion going on that doesn't mm-hmm. lend to solving the problem at all like much much like we talked about in in the last and and i approached this from two sides because really you know there are only two sides that are dictating right you know, what's happening you have the right going that you know you know she's unaccompanied and you know and and that you know 
this is illegal and this, that, and the other, and they need to go back to where they came from. And then you have this group going, you have this group going, well, they're leaving a place that is hell on earth. And in order to survive, they're willing to break laws, the laws of other countries, because it's either that or death. Right. And, you know, and, and this is where I go, okay, you know, you know, the, the pro-life side doesn't tend to very, you know, do a whole lot of things that tell me they're very pro-life. That's what I say. They're deep, they're depopulation with uh, 5% of their base being evangelist and believing pro-life. Pro-life I, I, is just a way to keep the, the evangelists, but they're nothing about them says pro-life. Like, like just call yourself anti-abortion. It's a lot easier and it's mm-hmm. very focused. You don't like abortion. Great. Cool. Right. Don't tell me you're pro-life, but then you do all of these, you have all of these policies that consistently kill people right. like, or, or starve people or, you know, put them in harm's way. That's, that's not very pro-life. Right. I, I, and, and, and it's, it's time to start calling it what it is. And I'm going to make the same, I'm going to make the same plea to the left as well. Stop calling yourself pro-life, but then putting in all of these policies that are supposed to help people, but then make it impossible for them to actually access these programs. Right. That's not very pro-life of you either. And so like this, let's, let's, let's get this fucking shit show out of the way. Stop calling yourself pro-life. Then I I have one point and that's that seeking amnesty isn't breaking the law. But in the Trump administration, crossing the border to do it became breaking the law. And so I don't want people to think that seeking amnesty is somehow illegal. It isn't. That's the proper asylum. Seeking asylum. Seeking asylum. But crossing the line to do it. And I understand. But like you just said, the infrastructure to apply, sometimes you have to go to another country to apply for asylum here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You can't do it. Colombia won't allow you to apply for asylum here. You have to go to Honduras or the Dominican Republic to do it. And mm-hmm. you're exactly right. We say, yes, we have all this stuff on the other side of the river. Come here. And then we arrest them and go, ha. <laughs> right. And then we, and we make the, and we make the process next to impossible to actually, you know, implement. Right. And and so it's like, look, I get it. You have to vet people in order to ensure that who you're vetting is going to be coming in. Okay. But, but the thing is, is, is that you, you have means and mechanisms to number one, allow people to begin the process of vetting, but number two, allow them to do certain things that would, would help them be stable in what they're going to be doing like right i I, in case people haven't realized and and i say this now as as somebody who's watching you know the number of openings in their own industry go bonkers there are a lot of openings out there currently that are not being filled and there's a lot of openings that you know a lot of people that are coming across the border could take because well there ain't no there ain't nobody else taking them I know there's 2,500 open truck driving jobs and there's 2,500 Haitians on the border waiting to come. In. <laughs> and yeah. It, it, not everybody's going to have, you know, the ability to get a CDL. Not everybody. No, of gonna... course not. Of course not. But every CDL, every cross country driver comes with a home, you know, <laughs> there's a bed behind it. So right. It's the, yes. And there's people that can grow our food. If we could just get corporations to see them Take as our food. a benefit. Exactly. And that's the thing is, is that, you know, you have that ability to, you have that ability to offer, you know, it's, you know, uh, more than what's being offered right now 
and lead towards the establishment of you know that working life in the united states right but but we do this weird thing where it's like okay no you can't do that and we're not going to let you do that and oh by the way we need help and i oh god where are we going to get it Mm -hmm. it's like we have green cards and resident aliens for a reason you know right but that's the thing we're, we're I always say this, like if it's a table, rich people have their dining room table. They're never going to buy another table, but poor people buy Ikea tables and poor people manufacture those. And so the people buying them are the people that are manufacturing them. You need both. You need the people to build the crappy furniture, to sell it to the crappy people that buy crappy furniture. And that's low income. And that is a lot of times migrants. And the other thing is, it is so important that we educate everybody as to what they want to do. And even, even a migrant from Panama can come here as a child, be educated in the American way of life, and then look back at Panama and see what they could change and do mm-hmm. that. But they can't do that in Panama while, they're, while their country burns around them. But making Panama better comes from making the people of Panama better. And if we have to take that a hundred thousand at a time and change them and, and then give them the option to go back and change their country, that's important. Well, you know, and, 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 and now that I'm sitting here thinking about this, I kind of want to, I kind of think I'm thinking about like going back to, you know, Dan's, you know, Dan's uh, uh, talk on what messaging looks like. Mm. You know, maybe what we, maybe what we've failed at is talking about what, you know, green card looks like, what resident alien looks like, what benefits they are and aren't, you know, able to, you know, really access what, what does their life actually look like? You know, what kind of taxes are they paying? If they are paying taxes, what does their, their ability to get certain services look like if they even can? Right. They're going to be in, they're going to be in our country. Do we want to document them or not? That's the question. mm Mm-hmm. And then, and from there, it's just a question of, you know, it's, it's, you know, being able to help people understand what, what they have uh, access to and, and be able to track what they are accessing, you right. know, because you have to have both. You have to be able to say, this is what they can access and then find out, Hey, how are they accessing this? And from there, it's, you know, you know, you've got a bunch of, you've got a group of people who's going to be playing the gotcha game. Ha ha, gotcha. You did something you weren't supposed to. We should kick you out of the country. Right. Okay. Well, did this person that accessed the service actually know that they couldn't access it or weren't supposed to? Right. It comes down to knowing that the the access is there, right? Exactly. But I think a lot of, a lot of people see the illegal immigrant working on houses for cash money and not paying taxes and being a draw on the system when he hurts himself. What I see is that lady that helped to invent the MN, MNR, the MRA, MRNA vaccine. You know what I mean? Like what I see is these incredible people that when given the opportunity to learn have been nothing but a benefit to the country going all the way back to Irishmen and Chinamen and, and, you know, Mexican Americans and everything like every group has been demonized while building the country for the next people that will be demonized. You know, like I always think there's this section of Chicago and it used to be just slums and black people. And then it became, became Asian people and then it became Irish people, but now it's Muslim people. And it's the cycle of 
poor people doing the best they can near education and then going further into the country to do the good work. What I would like mm -hmm. is to give them dual citizenship. So not only can they do good work here, but then they could also do the good work where they want the work, where the work will benefit creating a hemispheric synergy that, you know, I love. I know you love that. And, and I will say that that unfortunately is not necessarily within the U.S. purview. We don't offer dual citizenship. You no. know, there are countries that offer dual citizenship to Americans, right? But in terms of in terms of how we deal with things, it's either you're American or you're not. I agree. And so it's kind of one of those things where it's like you you have to have the discussion of if you're american you get the, you get the benefits and access of being an american but if you want to claim to be anything else you know any other country then the answer would be no you don't get that same benefit and that same access and and the the big issue part and parcel is is that you know uh, we try to have this weird idea of what american identity is when the American identity is literally just an ideal, it's nothing else beyond that. It's, right. it's, you know, it's different, you know, there's a like fun fact, you know, does the United States have an official language? No, we don't. Like we couldn't <laughs> de facto, de facto, we speak English. All right. of our business is done in English, but de facto, no, but, but it, we don't have an official language for a reason. The idea was, is, is that this is a melting pot, you know, right. people do business in English, but we also have people who do business in Spanish. We have people who do business in Arab. We have people who do business in Chinese and Korean and Japanese. We have people who do business in German. We right. have people who do business in Russian. Yep. And the idea right here in America, pooling all of that, all of that right here in America doing that. Because the idea was, is, is that, you know, the American ideal was that, you know, if you worked hard, you could become anything that you wanted to and have the freedom to do so. Right. You know, and, and so, you know, the American, you know, being American is about an ideal. And, and that's where I've met some people who come across, you know, a, a multitude of borders that are more American than the Americans that have lived here, right. you know, because they have that, they have that. Uh, and that's the problem. I was like, sometimes I'm like, man, are you delusional? Because even I'm sitting here going, does that American dream still exist? Right. But in their eyes, it does because they're here and they finally get to do the thing that they, you yeah. know, left, left their home country that they couldn't do or were persecuted for doing. Yeah. When you swim across an ocean, any beach looks like fucking heaven. You know? <laughs> right. And that's, and that's the thing is, is that, yeah. you know, for Americans on every side, you have to get used to the, uh, the fact that American is an ideal. And the ideal was that all of us together could do things that no one country could, and right. that all of us together would have a variety of op opportunities to become great in a multitude of different ways, whether you became wealthy in friends, wealthy in family, wealthy in riches, wealthy in knowledge, wealthy in experiences, yep. you know, wealth was, wealth was always subjective to the American ideal. Wealth was never, yeah, yeah, you're going to be a millionaire. Right. Wealth was, you might, you know, you might work your ass off every day of your life, but your, your five kids are going to have the opportunity to do things that yeah. you Work never even dreamed more. of. Yep.
you know, and that's and that's and and, and in some ways that American ideal is still there. It's mm-hmm. definitely under siege. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but and I it's, think it's, they're wrong. I think America is better than any other option we have. And I do too. Um, it has its problems, like yeah. any country does. And 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 I believe firmly that we have you know a unique number of opportunities to fix it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, too, we also have. We also have, you know, many issues that other, we have issues that other countries couldn't possibly fathom Thank God. as well. Thank God for that. Right. You know, like what I thought to myself was Tucker Carlson, he brags so much about Russia, but yet he couldn't be Tucker Carlson in Russia. He couldn't be the opposing party's mouthpiece and survive and be rich and live and not tortured. Like, he has the freedom to do that here, but not in Russia, you know? And I think what's important is democracy as an ideal being spread across the world creates other democracies doing it in a different way, which makes America accountable for the way they become a democracy. If we're the only democracy, then any version of democracy, even a less than version is democracy. But if there's, if, Ukraine is a democracy and they're doing something we're held accountable. We have to have a certain floor, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's important that we spread democracy because we can't be the only one. We just can't. Well, and, and, and I mean, I would say that there's also a reason why we have, you know, so many friends and allies that, you know, I mean, you look at, look at France's democracy. It is highly based off of ours. Look at Japan's democracy It's highly based off of ours. Yeah. You know, look at Germany's democracy. It's highly based off of ours. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're based off at, England. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, um, uh, our our democracy is based off of our problems with England. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But that's you know, the you same think about thing. it. You think about it. Like, for example, uh, I believe it's Morocco. Morocco is the United States' oldest ally. I believe that. Yeah. And and if I remember correctly, Morocco is the one of the few places where Americans don't need a visa to travel. It's cool because, because, because Morocco views the United States as a friend and we are, which, which maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe we need to go say hi to Morocco. Go say hi to our oldest friends. I like that. I think what, what I think Donald Trump created this cynicism that we needed to attack everything like as, as a group. We couldn't, we were naive if we didn't call everything out. Right. And then when Joe Biden came in, we were like, we got to call him out. Like, is he doing, is he doing, is he the best man for the job? No. Is he the best man to be president right now? Maybe out of our choices, he's the one we have. And is he better than what we just had? Yes. Is he worse than what we've had before in the past? Yes. He's just a guy, you know what I mean? But we Mm got to stop like, I, by shitting on Donald Trump, and I said this during Donald Trump's presidency, and I'll say it during Joe Biden's, to shit on the presidency is to shit on America. And to promote the good is to promote America. And so I see the negativity, and I see it in myself. And so now I'm just telling Joe Biden he rocks. Is he sleepy? Yes. Does he always seem like he's out of breath? Yes. Does he have a cabinet could, that could do amazing things if they were responsive to the people they're supposed to be governing? Yes, but they won't. That's what we need to work at. We need to stop blaming the institutionalists and we need to have a problem with the institution. 
I don't disagree with you there, but I also think too that you know, we have a unique responsibility as Americans to be critics of our government, and that it's that criticism of the mm-hmm. government and calling them, you know, out for the shit that they do and holding that is is what's a, uh, keeps us uh, able to hold them accountable. The difference I, uh, is we stopped on solution bases. We just absolutely. started going. We started pointing at it and saying that's evil, but not addressing how to solve it. In, in the past, we used to have polls and counterpoints and discussions between people that didn't believe the same thing on TV. And at the end, like we do, something would be resolved. Some part of it would go on in the ether, in the, in the viewing audience, and they would take something away from it as a solution. That doesn't happen anymore. Tucker Carlson doesn't offer solutions. Rachel Maddow doesn't offer solutions. They highlight the problem. There was a story that just... it. It clicked in my head. There was a story during a Holocaust Memorial Day. And the story started with the Tennessee people, the Tennessee Board of Education's Banning Mouse, the book about the Holocaust. And then it went into President Biden memorializing the day with a speech. And then it went into um, the the punditry. And I was mm-hmm. like, you you started it with the negative. You didn't need to start this conversation about Holocaust Remembrance Day by acknowledging people trying to ban the book. That could have come later in the show, but you wanted the negativity to get people because just commemorating the day wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. I would I would also like to say that in terms of book banning, I do believe that banning books is a freedom of speech issue, especially when you have a governmental body, a.k.a. Uh, a school board. Sure. Because, I mean, they essentially work for the state. Yep. That is uh, a freedom of speech issue. And I do not I do not believe in banning books. And I, I'm going to say that loud and proud and say that I don't believe in banning books like, for example, uh, Mein Kampf, which I've read. Or the Turner It's Diaries. trash. It's right. absolutely garbage. And it's, it's the ravings of somebody who, you know, thought that they knew everything. Right. I also don't, you know, just as I don't believe in banning the communist manifesto, which I've also read. Sure. And do I think that there are some valuable ideas in the communist manifesto? Sure. But on paper, you know, on paper, anything can look good in practice. Mm -hmm. We've seen time and again, how it isn't, you know, but you think about it, there are certain aspects of it that we have implemented in our daily lives, whether or not we want to admit it. And, you know, simply being able, being uh, willing to look out for our communities and exchanging things uh, with our communities, uh, of value without uh, recompense is kind of along that line. You think I, about how many times you've gone out of your way to help somebody and you, you know, it's with the recognition that you're helping them in that they're going to help you the next time. And how many oh times, God, you, yeah. how many times have you done that? The idea that, you know, we're working together for the same common good. So that way, neither of us are the lesser for it. I'm sorry. That was a mind fuck when somebody taught me that lesson. Like that's a lesson we need to learn that everything we do is selfish. Like you're not doing it for somebody else. Cause even if you're doing it just so you're happy, then you you're doing it to be happy. Oh, it just hurt my head. You know, (laughs) I was trying to buy somebody a knife set and she's like, that's just selfish. And I was like, yes, because I want you to be happy. (laughs) I want you to have a new set of knives. That's selfish. 
And, and so, you know, there are lessons that you can take from it. And that, and that lesson is, is, is that, you know, you can have this exchange of, of goods and services, but from my standpoint, you don't need to have the government mandate it or, or, right. or control it. You know, you think about it, how many, how many times have, have people been willing to do things on trade? Why, why the barter system Yeah, or barter, you know? you know, trade is, trade is a fantastic system that I love to utilize. Why? Me too. Why? Because we exchange goods and services that we both need, that we negotiate and equally value together. There you go. Make the transaction ahead of time though. Make the transaction yep. ahead of time. And then, you know, and, and basically what you then allow yourself to do is freely negotiate. Yeah, what it is that you're willing to exchange, That's and right. the government doesn't get any piece of that. They can get to go yeah. fuck themselves. And I think the other problem is we recognize a problem, and then we ask other people to to take care of it for us. Like Pizza Hut's based in Texas, right? Like mm. I don't eat Pizza Hut anymore. I don't go out and every day tell people you better not fucking buy Pizza Hut to validate my reasoning. It's my belief that I won't support Pizza Hut. There's other people not supporting things that I use, you know, that I don't even know. I don't know if their policies are good or bad. I you, I shop at Publix. I don't know how bad or good Publix is. I just need to shop there. Other people might say Publix sucks. I don't like them because of this. And I'm not going to, there was a company run for something and they, they help candidates, democratic candidates, but a disabled guy came out and he was like, you're not being accessible. And I was like, well, help them be accessible. And he's like, I tried and they, they, they let me go. And I was like, well, that's an issue. They don't want to be accessible or they don't know that they should be. And he's like, they don't want to be. And I was like, okay. So I stopped retweeting them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because personally, mm -hmm. I don't believe in run for something's values of not being accessible for all people. If you're grassroots building infrastructure, you know, you can mm -hmm. build it in. And so that's how I feel about everything. But I don't tell other people don't you don't don't go to run for something. They do help disabled people run for office. That's awesome. And in their mm -hmm. growing with those people involved, they'll become more accessible. You can't blame people for not doing something they don't know that they should do. But if I do say, hey, you should be accessible in this way, I do expect them in a meeting to go, hey, we could do this when it's brought up, right? Or bring it up. That's my goal. If, if you have a chance to change, you should consider it instead of just dismissing it, you know? Absolutely. But it's not, it's not Jeffrey's place to boycott based on my beliefs. I I'm not going to watch the Olympics and that sucks because I fucking believe in every person that's going to be, um, in the sports, every, every athlete I believe in, they've mm -hmm. trained for this. They deserve, they deserve the recognition and attention. China to me doesn't, and I can't do that. I can't support Beijing, boycott Beijing 2022. You know what I mean? And but that's I, me. And I don't watch the Olympics because I can't support the networks. There you go. It's, it, you know, I, I love sport and I love competition. I love the idea of what the Olympics are because it's supposed to be, uh, it's supposed to be this time where we all put aside our differences and, right. and, you know, the best of the best of our countries go out and compete. I just, you know, unfortunately, like 
I cannot support the networks in the way it was that they kind do of this. Like, it was kind of an aversion to war. It was like diplomacy mm-hmm. before war. We would all get together in the part, you know, if there was an issue, like the, the sports took care of it. The best athletes performed and that's how, you know, that's how it went. Now it doesn't do anything. <laughs> no. And I mean, it's, it certainly is. It's still a dick measuring contest. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you Heck know, yeah, but different dicks. Exactly. It's just that, you know, when it comes down to it, it's uh, like the Winter Olympics are really tough, like especially because it's like, you know, yeah, it's 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 not like it, it's like, uh, how do I put it? It's like the, you know, if for, for people who watch um, for people who watch, you know, soccer and World Cup, you know, the World Cup is every four years, but every two years you have like the Euros, for example, or CONCAF and that's just not as interesting as the world cup. And for me, that's, you know, that's what the, the, that's what the uh, winter Olympics, uh, winter yeah. Olympics are. It's, you know, the winter Olympics, it's, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's, there's value in it and there's, you know, there are winter sports, but it's not, oh yeah, you know, it's not the same thing. I just think winter sports are more, and I don't know how to say this in another way, elite in their, you know, they're skiing, they're, they're, um bobsledding whereas the summer olympics is like running and throwing things and weightlifting like things that average people do every day you know like and so the winter olympics i don't know i don't know if a majority of the country can relate to cross-country ski shooting you know but i know they can all relate to running 500 feet and so i i I just think there's a difference in the winter sports based on the availability and access here. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know anybody in South Central that has a bobsled or a pair of skis, but I know they all have fucking running shoes you know, or basketball shoes. And then you shoes. get you get Jamaica that's qualified for the bobsled again for yeah. the first time in, in several years. But they put and all their like... effort in to do that. You know what I mean? They couldn't do that at home. They they had to create something somewhere to practice. It's not like they have bobsled mountains at home, you know? Right. You know, and I mean, Hey, cool. You know what? It's mm-hmm. Like, you know, celebrate the innovation of it. Yeah. Take down the elites. I like it. So I don't, I don't know. Like my hope is, is that maybe when everybody decides to stop being shitheads, um, that the Olympics in general will become, uh, I would say what, what I thought of them once upon a time ago mm-hmm. in Greece, you know, but it's just not that right now. No, I almost want them to like create an Island, an Olympic Island. And every four years, just have them there <laughs> you know, with right. no government, just send all our athletes to an Island and let them do it. No trainers, no mental health care workers, nothing, no infrastructure. Just go to the Island with what you bring. Like, uh, enter the dragon style tournament you know fuck it naked discus is coming back (laughs) trial by combat giuliani you're on board right (laughs) oh god (laughs) jesus christ yeah i'm sorry i just think we don't we don't you know i i thought about this like people would say we don't disagree but i think we do consistently disagree we just don't argue about it we just state our cases and we try and come mm-hmm. to a normalization. You see my side, I see your side. And we come up with the fact that, I mean, 
yeah, it's access to this fucking infrastructure we need. It doesn't matter what the government is in, is or isn't involved in. You know, it could be private people. It could be Amazon funding these organizations that hold homeless people or the government. But mm-hmm. if you can't give them access, neither one of our versions will work. You know what I mean? Exactly. And and then and that's the reality is is, is that you know you can have. It's about understanding what the end goal is, and then understanding what the barriers are. And quite frequently, yeah. you and I are on different wavelengths in terms of, you know, what we see as the correct answer. You know, and and that's perfectly fine because I agree. Both of us, both of us realize that it's got to be a mixture of both. Oh yeah, I mean, you love thor- thorium reactors. I learn about thorium reactors. I like desalinization. You learn about desalinization. That's just what we do. Mm-hmm. So let's get rid. Let's help these kids. Let's um, Fort Bliss in Texas. Go ahead and go there. Tear down the fences. Burn the tents. Free the kids. Give them a fighting chance, a running start. Let them get out into the population and back to their families, and uh, just take one for the team. All right, guys. Thanks. <laughs> we just forget these kids are like in arenas and like old sam's clubs and they're not like and they're intense it's not like they're at the ritz it's not even like they're at the marriott it's not even like they're in a a thema trailer you know what i mean they're in a glorified dog kennel yeah being watched like all the time can you imagine being a kid and just needed five minutes of privacy you know what i mean yeah it's or, you know, being a kid and needing three showers a day. and Uh-huh. That's what I'm saying. You need a little me time. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, the, the idea that, you know, oh, my God, how could you? It's like, look, I was, I was, you know, 15 once. I know how, man, I beat that thing like it owed me money. <laughs> right? I, I didn't think it belonged on my body. I was pulling on it so hard. But that's and, the, and, the, there's, yeah. there's for-profit um, organizations dealing with these kids too, which eliminates the regulations. You know, it's just, we're funding it by our tax dollars, but we're not enforcing any regulations on it because it's private, you know, (laughs) you know, exactly. And, and, and that's the thing is, is that, you know, we're also, we're also not allowing, you know, that many organizations in, in order to, you know, take on some of the burden of it. I guarantee you that there would be organizations that would come in and help out in, in, you know, whether it's, you know, educational, whether it's services, whether it's, yeah. but we're not allowing it. And it's, I, I think that is a, a travesty in and of itself is, is that if you want, if you're going to try and get uh, these kids to get up and running, you have to give them access to the services yeah. and, and, uh, networks that they need in order to to get moving on this stuff yeah. what happened you know, to it, building little schools for cute little kids you know what i mean what happened to america's peace corps mentality um well i mean it, yeah that's we're, that's, we're that's buying desks question. for kids in asia but we're not fucking getting desks for kids that are right here under our mm-hmm. care under our yeah. care that's exactly. horrible I mean, why are we stealing them from sex traffickers to put them in this situation? They both kind of suck. It just must suck to fucking spend months walking through a desert being attacked by coyotes and and lechers and like weird people, like gun cartels and making it here and then going, oh, yeah, now you're screwed. You know? You're fucking stuck. It yeah. sucks. 
So I do want to talk about Ukraine a little bit mm-hmm. because I find it just because I find it fascinating. Like Vladimir Putin's making world moves, but I still see him as a single guy, you know, do making moves like that. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. I don't know how I want to latch onto it, but I was thinking like America, right? We are the force in the world to be reckoned with. And China, they're our competitor. They're the upstart coming from behind with the big thing. The next big, the next big thing is China. And then we have Russia, which is huge, but they have an economy like Italy because they're fucking, they're like not big. They, we all think they're big Russia, in land, not big in people. right. We all think Russia is this mammoth fucking thing that can destroy the world but it has the economy of italy which means italy is just as big as russia without all the land and so i don't see vladimir putin accomplishing anything that he wants to accomplish he said he had 65 billion dollars set aside in case of an emergency how is a country like russia going to survive on 65 billion dollars if they invade and get sanctions it's like do what is he trying to go for? And did you hear about the, I'm sorry, I'm babbling about this. The Irish fishermen. Fuck. Fuck. Oh, I yeah. love Irish fishermen. Fuck you. I love Irish fishermen. Well, Ireland's <laughs> like a fucking neutral nation. They're like, what the fuck are you doing? Get Stay away right. from us. Dumb fucks. It just so happens that the internet cord goes from <laughs> Ireland to America. And that's why Russia wants to make their maneuvers there, which I think is funny. They're cutting like they're cutting cords all over the ocean russia is and i just think it's funny that like i mean these guys i i love them they went to the they went to the russian ambassador and had their say and he was they were like hey we worked everything out they're gonna leave us alone and russia was like we didn't say that and they're like oh okay fuck you then <laughs> you know yep and that's what i think is amazing on a broader scale is that i think the the contrast is clearer and there's people like these fishermen. Now there's people in the Republican party doing the same thing and fighting back against what they need to. And the American people are less likely to agree in authoritarianism now that they see what it actually is. And that's what Russia's pressure on Ukraine is showing everybody. Like we don't want to be, we don't want to be told what to do. Right. And we don't think Ukraine should be told what to do. We should be all be left to make our own decisions. And if 51% of us think we deserve communism, America's going to be communist, you know, even if there's 49% fighting against that. But I think America, the people that voted for the authoritarian are, are like, I don't like that. Like now that they see the example, I don't think they like that. And that's what Russia is doing. Do you see any way Russia can salvage their reputation because i don't see how they're going to win they made nato stronger they made ukraine more more unified and now nato the nato nations are getting on the same page except for germany you know yeah that's an interesting thing in and of itself um he's a a new leader he's he's got a consensus government it's not like he's got the merkel power in him you know what i mean he's right he's still new (laughs) Right. You know, and I would say like, this is where this one gets a little bit interesting. Yeah, totally interesting to talk about, you know? So this whole issue with, you know, uh, Russia and Ukraine has brought out, um, the idea, this is, this, you know, Russia has always seen NATO as an existential threat. Of course, because it's built to protect the world from Russia. 
Well, it was built to protect the world from the Soviet Union. Well, yeah, and when I'm the sorry. Soviet Union was, you know, constantly land grabbing, you know, different countries, mm-hmm. that's where that's where the birth of NATO came about. And it was meant to, you know, for people, you know, for countries to apply for membership to NATO. And then, you know, if, you know, the Soviet Union decided to try and annex any part of or any or any nation, the the rest of the NATO uh forces would jump in as it should with 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 the fall of the soviet union nato didn't go away right but it had no purpose yeah Uh, so it managed to stay in place but it never it it didn't have the the enemy quote unquote that it it had the middle east and 9-11 that's the only things that kept it alive but, but even then it was it was uh you know, NATO's purpose was more looking at the nation states that would uh, mm-hmm. actually do something. It, terrorism was was not necessarily in the purview of of NATO, right? But protecting people and letting the NGOs or you know organizations get in there—that's what NATO's job was: peace, peace protecting. And and a lot of but a lot of people argued that that's exactly what the UN was for, not NATO. And so you had this kind of weird, hmm. you had this kind of weird dead space where, uh, you know, NATO was meant to protect protect against a threat that no longer existed, right. but was still in place for you know a Emergency. threat question mark. And now with Russia making the moves that it has, and and you know, people thought that maybe NATO would eventually see you know a need for focus on china but you just never had that level of of concern with china as you did pretty smart china's fly about how they go about taking over Mm. the world right but with russia doing things that it's been doing once you saw russia move into um georgia and south you know south asia and um Mm -hmm. forget what the other one was yeah. Uh, you had Chechnya, uh, Chechnya, uh, uh, so these are, this is prior to Ukraine. Oh, okay. Um, so you had, yeah, you had South Asia and then you had, uh, there was another, uh, chunk and I forget what it was called. Um, but you had Russian forces move into those areas. Um, and so before, before Crimea, you start to see this, you start to see Russia making moves that, you know, what we thought of as, you know, the old Soviet times. So NATO started to look like it might be needed a little bit more. And then you fast forward to, you know, the annexation of Crimea and the invasion and annexation of, of Crimea. And then, you know, these quote unquote tourists in the Donbass and uh, uh, Luhansk regions, you know, you, you started to see this need for NATO to potentially address, you know, Russian expansionism because you, you have uh, the Baltic States having a number of issues with Russia. You have Ukraine now having issues with Russia. Um, Finland if you know, Finland's not a part of NATO, Sweden, Sweden's not a part of NATO, but even they are starting to see issues that, you know, are concerning to them that they might be freaking out, that they might be interested in joining NATO. And it, the thing is, is, is that NATO didn't really have a purpose, but when Russia started making all of these military moves, uh, the, these military yeah. moves into these different areas, suddenly NATO is like, oh shit, we actually have a purpose again. Yes. And, you know, 
we looked at, you know, NATO looked at Ukraine like, oh shit, Russia's still doing Russia things, yeah. even though, you know, Russia's doing Soviet Union things, even though they're not the Soviet Union. So then when, you know, Russia sits down and says that, you know, NATO is an existential threat, NATO was never meant to be an offensive force. It was a defensive force. Right. But now you have these people, these countries that are sitting down and saying, look, you know, I'm in trouble and I need NATO. It's like, well, you're not a NATO member. So no. Right. And so then you have this question of, can Ukraine become a member of NATO? Well, Ukraine's been on the path towards trying to become part of the European Union and NATO, but they had some very serious issues to work on with their government. And they are working uh, on it. There was, there was a high level of corruption that, you know, was yeah, yeah, present yeah. and is still present. But they, um, they've, they've enacted accountability, transparency measures. They're coming, they've come a long way from where they were. Exactly. But, but not far you know, enough. Not far enough. And I would argue that in, in some cases, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily that say that, you know, the things that they have acted, they have enacted, haven't put them on par with some of our other member, uh, NATO member states like Turkey, for example, Exactly. Right. I wouldn't say that, you know, there's a significant enough difference between the way Turkey handles things and the way Ukraine handles things that Ukraine couldn't be a member of NATO. Public access America. It's always funny because like, Especially because as you know, libertarians, we get a ton of shit, even amongst other libertarians. We're... I think political philosophy is a lot like religion, and where there's moments you have to go on faith and trust what somebody else is saying. The main, the main focus is it's like less dependence on the government because, well, we've seen how that's gone. And you don't have to do that if you think about it in a human way. You know, more dependence on connections with each other. But you can always bring it back to what would one human do for another? What would a hundred do for a hundred? People looking out for people. Find Public Access America anywhere you find your favorite podcast every Sunday and Thursday. And join the chat on YouTube at Public Access America every Sunday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Communities looking out for community. Public Access America. History History in the making, making history in the making, in the making, in the making. Well, I agree. I I have a special, there's a special place in my heart for the Baltics. You know what I mean? And I don't know why. I don't know if it's ancestral or if it's just, I feel like they're the, there's shit on shit upon right now, but I feel a certain way about Lithuania, uh, Ukraine, Latvia, you know, Estonia. Like I want them safe. I do. And I don't know why. I don't know why they've never had happiness and I want to make sure they keep it. And so with, with all of these, with all of these issues that have been presented militarily by Russia, you know, it's started to get to a point where, you know, the United States in NATO have had to respond. Yeah. You know, now if you look at historical issues, yes, the United States had once stationed nuclear weapons in, in Europe. And, and I mean, realistically, we need to get past the idea that nuking another nation is, is the path forward because let's Free. be real fucking honest. But there is there's plenty nothing... of nukes in Turkey. There's plenty of nukes in the lands around <laughs> Russia. They're not wrong about that. 
Right. And, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, uh, I think any administration needs to deal with next is, is nuclear weapons and that, yes. you know, how bad are new, how bad are nuclear weapons that, you know, the former head of the Soviet union, Mikhail Gorbachev comes up and says the world will never be safe as long as nuclear weapons are allowed to exist. I agree. I don't know if it would be safe without them. It would be safer, <clears throat> you know, but like, getting rid of guns just means you're going to have more stabbings but i think that's an easier thing to begin dealing rendering, with wrapping your hand around yeah rendering the planet in, uninhabitable yes. is not your best answer and this was like that well if russia's going to make sure that the united states can't exist then the united states will make sure russia can't exist and that's like yeah what the fuck dude no that's terrible it's like great so you're going to glass half the fucking planet and you know that's going to screw up the other half of the planet totally. what do you like that's that's a terrible decision and i think that every every government that has nuclear weapons you know needs to take a serious look you know in the mirror with each other and say look is yeah. this really you know we have a ton of weapons out there that are capable of doing you know great damage without you know rendering the planet uninhabitable right that's right and and I think that, you know, we need to, we need to actually take a look at that, you know, seriously and not, you know, try and like th this idea that, you know, we want to wipe each other out. is just like fucking crazy. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and it needs to be called out as fucking crazy. Yeah. And until that happens, you know, you're, you're still going to see a world at danger, you know, uh, cause all it takes is one person who's just like, fuck it, launch the missiles. And Pakistan you know, or India, holy crap. Like we have nuclear missiles, Pakistan and India have them. We got to get rid of that. Like, no, Pakistan, India, China, us, yeah. UK, France, uh, North Russia, North Korea, <laughs> uh, China, Israel has yeah. nuclear weapons. The only country that has ever had nuclear weapons and voluntarily given them up is South Africa. Hmm. I like they had, they had their own nukes. And then they were like, nah, this is fucking dumb. Glassing the planet is not a good idea. Right. I agree with that. And I want to say what you brought up Israel. I had said that Ethiopia might be the home of the Israelites and I'm half right. You know, like a sect, a sect of a marriage went back to Ethiopia and then a sect of Israelites did not. So, um, I was half right on that, but I wasn't totally correct. So, hmm. but I just, I don't, Russia, yeah, it's like they did everything they didn't want to do. Now everybody's paying attention. And like when Russia was subverting infrastructure um, digitally, you know, it's like people were mad, but they didn't see it. But these forces changed everybody's minds. Like I can't see it as another way as a stratego board, you know, or a risk. What's that game? Like where you amass people on the borders. That's how I see. That's risk. Yeah. That's how I see Europe right now is these Russia. Stop it. Like, stop. You have every right to be there, but stop it. You know? <laughs> right. You know, it's, and that's the thing is, is like all of this, all of this could easily be avoided, but everybody right now is like trying to quote unquote, ensure their legacies or shit like that. And it's like, yeah, mm, this isn't a good look for anybody. But honestly, it's, it's, I don't, I don't, I like trying to play both sides and finding the common ground, but this is Vladimir Putin being Vladimir Putin. This isn't a threat that somehow occurred that he's responding to. It's like one day he woke up and was like, I got a great idea. Let's fuck with the world. It's not like he was like, oh, oh, they're fucking with us. Let's do this. 
You know what I mean? He didn't have to. He could have he could have gone on TV and said, I don't like the weapons in Europe so close to me. You don't want them in Cuba. I don't want them close to me. And that could have been a debate that he could have. He could have turned the world to his, you know, to, on his side, but he didn't. He put a knife to the world's throat and said, give me. And the world was like, stab me. And I just appreciate that, that people didn't see it as like a splitting the difference to give him something. You know what I mean? Right. I think he thought that's what would happen. He would make five demands and America would be like, we'll give you two. And he would be like, all right. And they said, no. And I like that. I like Mm -hmm. that. We can keep talking. That's what diplomacy is. But no. (laughs) Absolutely. And I like, I like Vladimir Zelensky. Like he's a comic that became a politician and I really think he's doing a pretty great job over there. And every once in a while, I just like to post on Twitter. I love Ukraine because I really do. I don't know. It's like you've been like Poland. You think of Poland, you think about gray and potatoes. Imagine if Poland had like a society where they could go out and be happy and laugh in the streets because Polish people are fucking awesome. It's just, they've been, they've been suppressed for so long. I don't like that for any country. I wouldn't want that. I don't want that for any country. I Mm -hmm. like, I want North Korea to be North Korea. They're an important person in the world stage, but I wish they would let their people make the decision on where they want to go. And if Mm -hmm. somebody wants to stay in North Korea, I think they should, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like you're taxing a farmer that grows dirt, right? (laughs) Right. So let him go to another country. He's not a resource for you. You know, mm-hmm. Russia, let your people go. If they want to go somewhere else, Ukraine, if, if you want to be communist, go ahead. But let the people out first that don't. Syria too, you know, and I just, that's my issue with it. Oh, absolutely. Nice. I love it. Playoffs today. Uh, we're at the end. Playoffs today. How do you mm-hmm. think? My, my uh, Cincinnati or Kansas City? KC. I think since he's got a good shot though, um, it just depends on, <clears throat> I, I, I think it just honestly depends on, on how since he comes out and plays, um, yeah. you know, Kansas city has been here a couple of times already, Yeah, you know, so they've, they've got a great shot at, at going, going back to the super bowl. Um, since he God, it's been how long since they've had a fucking shot. 33 years since they were in a playoff game. I don't know. Dude. And so, you know, yeah. they got a chip on their shoulder and then, you know, let's see how it goes. I think, I think Kansas city's cornerbacks, they've always been vulnerable. I think they, they're risk takers. And so if, if Cincinnati's offensive line holds up, I really think that Burroughs can push it down the field and make some big plays in that. It'll be interesting to see. That's for sure. Yeah. What and about uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco? Fuck. I love you, San Francisco. You, you know, I just fucking <clears throat> Both teams took down the Giants, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. So I I couldn't be happier. Matthew Stafford deserves this. And so does Jimmy Garoppolo. Like the whole team. I just love San Francisco, you know? I mean, like Stafford's been around the league for a long time. So I feel like, I feel like it's, it would be great for him to have a shot, you know, at, at winning a Super Bowl. at the same time, you know, the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he's, you know, he was a great backup to Tom Brady once upon a time ago, yeah. you know, and it just, 
boiled down to whether or not, you know, you got the, you've got the assets in place. The 49ers have always been, you know, they're, t- they can be a real tough team, you know, going back to uh, the giants last championship between, mm. you know, the, the NFC championship between the 49ers and the giants it was a knockdown drag out slug fest. And it was yeah. a great game. Yeah. That was a good team. Yeah. I so, like that. And you know what, uh, who else I feel good for Odell Beckham jr. Like, it seems like he's really found peace in a system that he's happy with. And I, I like that because he went off the rails for a little while. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's nice to see him appreciating the sport again and doing one-handed fucking catches. He did a catch and they were like, oh, look at that one-handed catch. Oh, it was Beckham. And I was like, oh, he's back. So I'm excited about that. You know right. what I mean? I like, I like, I like players. I like players. And from that standpoint, like Joe Mixon, I really want well for him. Joe Burrows, he's 25 years old. He, he grew in a system and now he's been let loose. I like players. Odell Beckham. I like fucking Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd is one of my favorite players from the bears. And I really want to see him get a fucking super bowl ring too. Cause he's worked fucking hard, you know? Yeah. I like football for that. And I'm so glad it hasn't been politicized. And, you know, there's no more talk of COVID like decimating the team like it was during the regular season. That's kind of mm. weird. I wonder if they're doing different protocols. I'm going to go with the pro. I think I, if I remember right, I read that they're not doing protocols anymore. That's cool. Do you think we so, should be? I'm going to, I'm going to say a final statement because we're done. <clears throat> people, think- are t- people are tired of the pandemic. Then 61% are rightly tired of it, but it's still going on because of that fucking 59% that won't get vaccinated. Not the 10% that can't be vaccinated, but that other percent that won't. That's why the pandemic is still going. Not because we did what we did, what was right. You know, it's because people just don't believe in vaccines and we got to fight against that. Anyway, sorry. And and for me, it's, it's that, you know, uh, yeah. I think we're all tired of the pandemic and it's been exhausting. The last two years have been a shit show to say the least, but you know, I think, uh, you know, when you look at what is available for hospital beds, you know, that should tell you the risks you should be willing to take. Yeah. We have 120,000 hospital beds in the country and 106,000 of them are full. That's time to worry. I mean, cause we had 96,000 beds and we increased it to 120. So 24 of those are emergency beds, like tents and parking garages. That's not actual like <laughs> institutionalized care, you know? Right. I mean? So if you're getting like intravenous drugs in a parking garage in Kansas city, when it's 12 below, that's not fun. <laughs> no, no, I that is you, not. Jeffrey. Do you, did you have anything you wanted to add? Nah, I'm, no, I'm set. All right. I love you. And I will talk to you next week. See you next week. (laughs) And thank you everybody for listening to public access America. You can find us anywhere except Spotify because people don't like us there anymore. Bye. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth but from the enduring power of our ideals democracy 
Live stream time, YouTube. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher, Radio Public, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.